Hey, hi, hello, what's up? On this episode of the Day 16 Show, we're going to talk Cyber Monday, Black Friday, President-elect Biden's all-female comms team, Spotify's annual rap campaign, and the announcement of the Drake and Nike collab. And of course, as always, the This is America moment of the week. Tap in. Let's go. The time to be happy is now. The place to be happy is here. The way to be happy and to make others happy is to bring a little puppy right there. Yeah, yeah! What's up? And uh, welcome back to another episode of the Day 16 show, podcast, whatever you want to call it. Um, first and foremost, thanks so much for uh, tapping in with us. Um, much appreciated. Um, share with your friends, your homies, your family, whatever. Especially if uh, other people are into media and advertising. I think this is going to be a good space going forward for all that fun stuff. We can interact and do all that cool stuff. Um, off the top, just want to address, do a few housekeeping things. J-Bug, not going to be with us today. That man is uh, too talented and too hardworking to um, do so many things all at once. So he's taking time to focus on his music, so he won't be here today. Um, he'll be back for future episodes, I'm sure. Um, also, same line of thinking, our bad on the audio last week. Didn't realize J-Bug was coming across a little um, low volume, uh, so that'll get fixed going forward. Um, if you haven't already, follow us on social. Um, the show's IG is day.16 on Instagram. My personal IG, at uh, pethardy 16 um follow those two accounts let's interact let's talk let's chop it up um uh what we got we got the holiday going on right now um which leads us into our first topic uh black friday cyber monday um on black friday traffic in the u.s um i'm I'm reading it here um for like brick and mortar stores dropped by 52 percent um that's huge guys that's like Wow. Um, all the while, retailers are setting a record in, with $12.8 billion in online revenue. That's according to Salesforce. That number is up 23% from last year. So you have, you know, what we all kind of expected, but I didn't think it was going to be that dramatic um, with people doing online versus um, in the store, just because no one's, from what I have perceived um, from people uh, online, social media, there's still a shit ton of people who aren't taking this thing seriously, the COVID seriously, um, mainly Trump supporters, all 70 million of them. Um, so I, I thought, you know, it might taper off a little bit, but I think people were still going to go in the stores and do the whole Black Friday thing. But I mean, drop by 52 percent. That's a huge number. Um, I, all the while, these big corporations are raking in 12.8 billion for online revenue. So um, online DTCs. uh it's not a trend anymore, obviously. It's here to stay, but I think COVID has brought it even more to the forefront, bringing in those baby boomers, um, bringing in um, people who are hesitant to do subscription services or online shopping heavily. Um, I think COVID has brought those people in, um, and I don't know if they're going to go anywhere. That still remains to be seen, though. Um, is Black Friday dead? Um, I don't think so. I think you're just going to have this online situation, similar to how we had so many stores doing like Black Friday week. <laughs> I think that's the kind of vibe we're going to get going forward. It's going to be online all week. 
Um, it may go back to a day, but, you know, I just don't see that going forward. Um, I think people were already kind of sick of Black Friday as it is. Um, I think patience has run thin on that anyway. Um, so I think people are going to prefer doing it online or at least spreading it out so it's not just on one day. Um, for Sorry about that. I had to take a sip of something. Um, for retailers, this might actually be a positive thing um, in, my, in my point of view. Um, you have less logistical headaches, um, you know, supply chain, getting stuff in stores, hiring seasonal people, all that stuff. Um, and f it just makes more sense to move online. You put all that effort and energy towards shipping it and getting it to the right places. Um, and then for the consumer, I mean, you'll get the deals no matter what at the end of the day. So like, who really cares from the consumer side? Like, I think the, 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 the whole generation of people, whether that be, um, what is it? Why? I don't know. The the boomers and a little bit younger than them, the whole going in store, having that novelty, I think that's kind of going away. And I don't think there's a between me being between like a millennial and a Gen Z. I don't think the future generations and the current generations really care for that novelty anymore. I think it's still there a little bit. But I think as we keep going forward, um, as long as you can get the deals, <laughs> who really cares? Um, so, yeah, let's move on to the next topic. Um Joe Biden, uh, the, the office of the president-elect, um, announced having a all-female communications team. Um, it's pretty awesome. Uh, it's first time in history. Um, let's just go through the names here. Um, Elizabeth E. Alexander will be the communications director for the first lady. Kate Bedingfield will be the White House communications director. She's a great Twitter follow. I'm not sure how great of a Twitter follow she'll be going forward, but she is right now. Um, Ashley Etienne, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, she'll be the communications director for the vice president. Um, Corinne Jean-Pierre, Jean Pierre, Ooh, I think I'm saying that right. Um, she will be the principal deputy press secretary and she is a sister. Thank you. Um, Jean, Jen Paskey, um, she'll be the white house press secretary. So she'll be the one, uh, out in front. She'll be, she'll be playing the Kaylee McEnany role. If you're not familiar. Simone Sanders, someone that I've been following on Twitter and all and some other social media platforms, seeing her on TV throughout the um, electoral season, super smart, um, talented, bright future. She'll be the senior advisor and chief spokes, spokesperson for the vice president. And finally, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right again, Pilly Tobar. She'll be the deputy White House communications director. Um, so a lot of names, but all those names are women. Um, and it's the first time, for, well, not the first time, but it's notable to report that four of the seven top communication roles at the White House will be filled by women of color. Let that sit in while I take a sip. This is the first time in history that the entire senior White House comms team will be entirely female. Um, we'll get into the why, like if that's important. Um, why or why not in a second, but, uh, just a quote from, uh, the man himself, Joe Biden, uncle Joe, uh, communicating directly and truthfully to the American people is one of the most important duties of a president. And this team will be entrusted with a tremendous responsibility of connecting the American people to the white house. Unquote president elect Biden. Um, he went on to say, uh, these qualified experienced communicators bring diverse perspectives to their work and a shared commitment to building this country back better. So let's just break down that quote quick. Um, 
obviously the first line communicating directly and truthfully to the American people is one of the most important duties of a president. That's a quick shot to the arm of Donald Trump. That was a, like a little subtweet um, from Joe Biden. Um, and then he goes on to say these qualified, experienced communicators bring diverse perspectives. That was a quick tip of the hat to the fact that, hey, if you hadn't noticed, these are all women and four of them are women of color. They're diverse. They're going to bring their perspectives to the job. Awesome. Um, so I think the next, you know, we all, the next question you have in your head um, with this news is like, is this, is this actually important? Like, does this actually mean anything in the grand scheme of things? Um, and my personal opinion is no. Um, and it's not for the reasons traditionally that you think it would be. Um, I think it's not important because I think these are all qualified people, tenured, experienced people, talented people who deserve these jobs. Um, and I think when it comes to government specifically, I'm just happy that that that's what we have. I think the past four years have made it to be the way to, to where I'm just excited that we're going to have some competent, um, somewhat, you know, I don't know the, you know, ingrained background of all these people. I don't know where they went to preschool, but we're going to have some good people in these jobs communicating to the people because in advertising, in media and communications and public relations, um, the goodwill that you have, um, the relationships that you build and the credible foundation that you stand on always weighs in if your communication is effective. That's one. Two, uh, aside from advertising and media, just from a societal standpoint, having the government be like le like legit good people who have morals and um, all that good stuff means something and i think the past four years like i said before have really shown that so is this cool is it awesome is it great to see yes but is it necessarily important um that they're all females i think i just think important is the wrong word that's all um and i think that they're all gonna do a great job and i wish them all the best and um yeah they're all great. I think three of them are great Twitter follows too. So another thing that's super important that happened, um, Spotify's annual wrapped came out. You've probably seen this splash all over social media, people telling you what podcasts they listened to all year and how many hours they spent listening to Tame Impala or something. Um, but it is Spotify's annual, Spotify's annual look back at the year in music through the lens of its user listening data. Um, so just to kind of break that down in layman's terms, they take their data and they give it back to you in a cool, creative way um, to show you what you've been listening to and what you've been interacting with all year long, whether it's podcasts, um, they don't have audiobooks, uh, music, all that fun stuff. Um, and Spotify being one of my favorite brands, I'm always hyped to see this campaign come out every year. Um, it's been something I look forward to. Um, the two themes for this year's Wrapped were gratitude and resilience. Obviously tied into the complete hell of a year that we've all had. Um, I think that was, that's good to kind of tie that into a societal impact because music is a part of society. Um, and this rap campaign comes out on multiple formats, um, out of home, video, digital, social. Um, and also uh, just because it's it's all you're going to get a ton of um, user generated content from this as well on the back end, but the investment put in were on those fronts, um, out of home billboards, video, digital, and social. 
Um, it gives and this specifically the out of home stuff is pretty cool. Um, as you guys know, I'm a big sucker for um, experiential. Um, they went all in on these billboards. Um, they give a shout out to 40 artists and 15 podcasts. Um, and it runs across the home, um, digital out of home connected TV, um, and 31 markets from across the globe. Um, it's pretty cool. So they kind of they do they do two different things: gratitude and, and and resilience. They have it broken down when it comes to out of home with thanks and resilience. Um, so as far as thanks, the campaign pays homage to the artists, podcasters, playlist creators, and avid fans who helped uh, helped users endure and find comfort and be entertained during months of lockdown and turmoil. Um, the resilience tells a story of a resilient world made of resilient communities who powered through unprecedented challenges in a year that seemed to never end. Facts, Spotify, facts. Um, just, I'm going to highlight a few. Um, you can go, I'll put this link in the show notes um, where you can go and see some of the ads in person. You can do a quick Google search, but one billboard has the Michelle Obama podcast up there. Um, and it just says, thank you, Michelle Obama, for starting the conversation we all needed to have this year. The top podcast of the summer. Boom. Um, Next is uh, they have a Cardi B billboard. Um, thank you, Cardi B, for sharing your invaluable wisdom and philosophies this year. WAP, featuring Meg The Stallion, has had 439, 266 streams. So just cool stuff like that. Um, one awesome thing that I saw that super, like, from someone who loves music and loves to, like, as people who in my inner circle know I love to make playlists. It's like a weird hobby I have, but... Um, for different situations, <laughs> um, but they Spotify on a billboard gave shout out to people who made really dope playlists. Um, there's one example here. Many thanks to the creator of the playlist. Women are keeping this rap shit afloat right now from 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 its followers. More importantly, thank you to all the women. Um, yeah, just cool stuff like that, like highlighting artists, highlighting podcasters, highlighting creators, um, and then from a social standpoint. In addition to all that, um, you have they partnered with the Save Our Stages initiative to help struggling entertainment venues um, by putting uplifting messages on the marquees of COVID COVID shuttered stages across the country. Um, So if you have a local theater, everyone has a little theater, older theater in their town community that closed down due to COVID. Here in Rochester, it's a little theater. Um, Spotify used their closed um, marquee lights and put some of those um, wrapped posts and billboards on those and paid them for it and donated. Um, that's some cool shit. Like when you see brands, you know, do it on both fronts, um, connected to society, um, it's pretty dope. Hulu had a similar campaign um, where they realized, they didn't realize, they did some research and found that um, a good majority of the statues in this country, of course, are men, not a lot of women. So they win select cities. I think Philadelphia was one. New York City was one. And they created enough statues to equal the total that are in the the country for men. And they were all mirrors. So that when women, little girls came by, they could look in the mirror and see themselves and realize they could they could do something in this world and have a statue. And it connected to the Women's March. And they used it to promote um, the new season of... Um, Handmaid's Tale. Like, that's dope. You you meet a business objective. You also help society. You inspire people. You have an effect on culture and, and the community. I think that's awesome. 
Um, so that's kind of how I connect to Spotify um, in the same way, um, helping out these local theaters um, and also achieving a business objective. That's kind of, you know, that's that's home run shit when you talk about uh, a campaign. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Yo, I don't have a ton of time, but I will say if you haven't already, check out the Ethan Kern Show hosted by my boy, Ethan Kern. Um, he keeps you up to date on uh, the latest news and notes from society, things that he's thinking about, has some good guests on, including ya boy. So if you haven't already, go check out the I'm Ethan Kern Show. That's not what it's called. That's his Instagram. I read that wrong. It's called the Ethan Kern Show. But if you want to follow him on Instagram, it's I'm Ethan Kern. Also, wolfmedia.co. That's his website. Check that shit out, too. Do your boy a favor. Day 16 continues now. All right, let's get back to it. Um, next topic is um, pretty dope for me. Um, it was cool to see the rollout. If you know me at all, you know I'm a huge Drake fan. Um, love his music, always have. Um, always going back all the way to comeback season. Um, so... Drake and Nike have collaborated on a new apparel line called Nocta. Um, the, the ethos of the brand was uh, released by Drake in a, in a public statement. And uh, this is what he had to say. Nocta is about creating something for people on the move. People who want functional, comfortable fits that are adaptable from one environment to the next. An unforgiving drive, a relentless character characterized by the type who are on the road all day, all night. The grinders, the hard workers, trying to accomplish their goals and taking no shortcuts, end quote. So that's the ethos of the brand. Um, it's like outerwear, um, coats, uh, sweatpants, stuff like that. So you can kind of see the connection there. Um, and there's one quote he had in here about who he wants us to be for, um, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, let's see if I can find it in the article quick. Forgive me. Forgive me. Ah, here it is. Here it is. I remember watching all these athletes repping Nike, each doing the unthinkable and how inspiring it was. I always felt like there was an opportunity for Nike to embrace an entertainer in the same way they had athletes. I thought about how crazy it would have been and what it would have meant for an artist to have a flagship Nike deal, unquote, which is what Drake has. He has a flagship Nike deal. Um, and I think, you know, that's that's pretty cool. I think we've seen a lot of um, uh, apparel entertainer collabs throughout the years. Um People like Travis Scott are taking it to a new level. Um, and I think Drake is going to be, you know, I think Drake has already been among those people, but I think he's going to take his to the next level similar to, to how Travis has um, as of recently. Um, the only question I would have really, you know, from a branding side is that ethos. Um, he talks about he wants it to be for hard workers and grinders. Um, then what's the price point looking like? Because the hard worker, I'm not saying that you can't be a hard worker or a grinder um, and make a lot of money and be well, well off and wealthy and live a good lifestyle. People grind on all levels of life. Uh, but I think when you're marketing it that way and you're giving it out to the general public, you have to understand and know that they're not going to think about you necessarily. Even though I'm sure Drake works hard and is a grinder at what he does, as documented. But when you say that's what the outerwear clothing is for, we're starting to get into the mindset of like Carhartt type shit. And if that's what it is, even though Carhartt is 
kind of expensive um, on the grand scheme of things. What is the price point looking like if that's who the clothes are for? If that's in your ethos, who you say the clothes are for, then what's the price point looking like? I'm just curious. All right. It's time for the This is America moment of the week. So we've all had tickets, right? We've all been driving around. Cop got us. Some of us more scared than others when he pulls us over. For whatever reason. I'm not pointing anything out. specifically. Um, but we all got tickets. Speeding tickets, all that stuff, right? And, you know, it kind of went from the cop car is what you're looking for. And then we started seeing the unmarked car catching people. But New York State this year, unbeknownst to many, has tried a new tactic. Um, let's listen to what that new tactic is, courtesy of the Black Information Network. New York State police have been cracking down, especially in construction zones. Officers wrote almost 1,800 tickets between July and November under the state's Operation Hard Hat, which puts state police officers along the highways dressed as construction workers to catch drivers in the act. It's a nearly 70% increase compared to when they did something similar last year. The infraction getting the most tickets was speeding, more than 600 of those. About 300 people got tickets for using cell phones while driving, and others cited for seatbelt violations, failure to move over when passing emergency vehicles, and driving drunk. That's crazy, y'all. Like, I don't know what what the, the police officers don't y'all got enough ways to get us? Can't y'all just chill? Like that's a crazy tactic to be using. You look over in Europe. And, you know, they got their cars are neon orange and neon green and you can spot them from miles away. They went from they went <laughs> the police. <laughs> they went from having marked cars to like all black cars. Then they went from unmarked cars. And now they're doing dress up, dressing up as construction workers. And they had a 70. Per, look, that number is crazy. 70 percent increase from last year. Come on, man. That's crazy. But hey, this is America. <laughs> uh, so this is not the end of the show. Um, I got some feedback from uh, Jay Boog and also people who had listened uh, saying that, you know, ending off with a this, America, this is America moment of the week can be kind of depressing. Ending on a low. I respect that. You know, I'm a dark person, so I don't mind it, but I understand how y'all feel. So uh, we're going to end it with a uh, different kind of vibe, uh, if you guys don't mind. Uh, I went on a little rant. I watched this documentary and I had some thoughts and like an, a weird insight. And I, you know, I decided why not share it with my close personal friends here on the podcast. So uh, we're going to play that for you guys right now. Uh, enjoy. So if there's one thing that I love, I love documentaries, uh, especially documentaries having to do with history. Um, so the other day I was watching a Richard Nixon documentary. Um, and the documentary opened up um, August 8th, 1974, with uh, pre then press secretary of the White House, Rich Ziegler, um, entering the briefing room. And you could see on his face there was an anxiety, there was a sadness, looked scared. There was emotion, human emotion on his face. And what he was there to announce was that the president will be announcing something later. That's it. 
he called every national press to the briefing room to announce that the president will be addressing the nation later. And it just got me thinking about what that would be like today. Today, that would be a tweet. Today, that would be a post. A press release of some sort, but definitely a tweet. (laughs) And it just got me thinking, is that how we want to convey information or communicate information? Because me personally, I want that. I want the human emotion. I want to be able to look at the press secretary's face and try to get a read on what is going on based off of that. I want that human element. from our media, from our press. And I know it's nothing new. Um, We all know that media, social media, X, Y, and Z is kind of taking the human out of a lot of interactions, um, socially, professionally, whatever have you. But it just got me to thinking about, you know, the past four years, what we've spent under this presidency um, and going forward, what we want. And how we want information, critical information to be communicated to us. And I just found it interesting that back August 8th, 1974, that there was a press conference held to announce another pseudo press conference. And just me personally, I think I want my information conveyed less through tweets and more. I want to see you give me the information. Because I think, you know. At the end of the day, it's harder to lie that way. Um, and that may just me being naive. Um, but I, if any, if you're going to lie, I want you to do it to my face at least. <laughs> and I know tweeting um, these kind of things, these press updates, um, information on scheduling and all that kind of stuff is more efficient um, through tweet, through, through, through Twitter. But I, there's something that struck me about the... Uh, the emotion that was on Rich Zeigler's face, the press secretary, press secretary at the time, when he announced that, and what you know, most know that what came after that was the resignation of President Richard Nixon later that day. Um, it just got me thinking. And this has been the Day 16 Show. Thank you guys for pressing play. Appreciate it. Do it again next week. Mm-hmm.